this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to this edition of the Jay Allen Show. Hopefully everything is good and grand in your neck of the woods. So how are you enjoying this last week of April of 2021 as we start rolling closer and closer to May? Speaking about May, next month, the ACFS is putting on Safety Day 2021. It's an event that has several speakers that are coming in and talking about who's in your corner. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We will actually be broadcasting from the site of Safety Day 2021. As the speakers are presenting and so on, we'll be doing some off and on, but we'll talk about that towards the middle of the show. But let me tell you what I have for you today, because I think you're really going to like this. It's safety with a twist, and I'm not joking as I say this. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Sonia Funk. Sonia Funk is an employee wellness strategist, corporate speaker, and nutritional therapist with international experience in the wellness industry. Her superpowers include outrageous common sense, keen observation skills, and willingness to ask hard questions, which allows for easier answers. Sonia is known as a bit of a paradigm flipper, if I may say so myself, and has been nicknamed Master of the Obvious on several occasions. Her presentation topic strategically and psychologically crafted in a way that allows her to communicate life-changing information and insights that the listeners can truly hear and act on. Sonia is in the media regularly, largely due to her unique collaborative healthcare events, and she has a sweet partnership with a local co-op promoting local growers and producers and community wellness initiatives in Canada. In her former life, Sonia was an award-winning singer-songwriter and a recording artist. She even managed to chart on Canadian radio back in the day. So without much further ado, let's get the interview started with Sonia Funk right here on The Jay Allen Show. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Well, so I have to tell you, Sonia, I appreciate you taking the time to do this because I know that this is could be one of those things that could be um, a little time consuming for some, depending on how far you want to go down the path. Yeah, well, you know, the, the the work for speakers is just starting to come back. So I've got a little time. <laughs> got it. So I, I'll tell you, I don't do any kind of proper introduction as you and I are on the phone together. I will actually take care of that on the back end of everything okay. that we do. So I have to ask, because of course, as we were able to find some information about you and taking a look around, I have to understand how does biology and music all of a sudden transition into nutrition? I, I've been mind boggled <laughs> by the whole thing. Well, I had uh, I had a moment after high school where I went and saw the counselor at the university here, and I said, I want to do a double major in biology and music. And she looked at me probably the same way. You're like, <laughs> how does that even work? She's like, do you mean music and math? Because they go together. Biology and music don't. And I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this anyway. So I actually, I ended up um, quitting university halfway through and touring with my band. Very nice. So what position were you in, in the band? Were you a singer, a instrument player? What exactly? I was the singer songwriter. I've won songwriting awards. I've charted on Canadian radio, done all the things. And eventually I wanted to go back into something biology, natural medicine related. So I ended up choosing 
to skip the musical therapy program I got into in New York. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to be a holistic nutritionist because I need the biology. Because I I had a mission in Mm -hmm. my life that I knew I wasn't really going to hit till I was 40. So do you ever look at this and go, maybe you can do some of this therapeutic nutrition standpoint from via song? Well, not exactly. (laughs) But what I do love it and I knew would come would be the neuroscience where we know a lot about frequency and vibration. Like I explain personal boundaries in my team building workshops for companies via musical theory. Well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about this. So at what point do you start realizing the importance of food and nutrition and how, let's just be realistic. Some of us don't look at it as a safety aspect, but how important nutrition is in just development. That's a bit of a long explanation, so we're going to jump into that one. We have time. (laughs) Yeah, we do. So I, I have... I'm going to just, I guess, use my, my presentation, Accidents of Adaptation, to, to explain it because that's where I, I really go into it. So I call it the biology of safety because there is this, this disconnect. There's been a lot of, you know, well, there's always a new research study coming out on nutrition contradicting the last one because that is just the, the world that we live in. So I've really taken food and nutrition down to very basic levels of what food is and what it isn't. So I could talk for an hour and prove to you that there's no such thing as healthy food. Like something is either food and it helps your body or it is not food, but it's disguised as food and it actually steals from your body. So when Oh, I, tell me more. You know that I'm not going to let you off the hook that quick. <laughs> I, I, we have to hear part of this. Okay, well, my my favorite part of that work that I do and what always really resonates with people and makes sense to them is I'll take the the crowd through what I call Superfood Mountain. And we will I'll draw this mountain. I'm known for my terrible diagrams that make so much sense. <laughs> and and but 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 they make sense. So everyone kind of loves them even though it's like chicken scratch really. So I draw this mountain on a, a whiteboard and we uh, section off the mountain in decades. We start in the 80s, there's the 90s and the the zeros or whatever we call them and the 10s. And we go through as much as people can remember what decade, what superfood was a thing. So by the time we're done, this whole mountain is full of, you know, apples and carrots and milk and skinless chicken breast from the 80s. And then you've got flax oil and, you know, the pomegranates and stuff like that in the 90s. And then you've got kale and zeros and we kind of summit all the way up to LJ. And so you can imagine the avocados and the almonds and like all the things that are on this, right? Because mm-hmm. you've seen all the studies. It's, a, it's generally the, the decade that the New York Times decided it was worth writing about. That's the decade it goes into. So by the end of this, the question I ask everyone, and to this date, I have not gotten the answer that I'm looking for unless someone has already heard me say this, I ask everyone, okay, so what do all of these super amazing foods have in common? And people answer the way they have been trained by food marketing to answer. They're high on omega-3s, they're high in antioxidants, like they, they say all of those things that we have been taught via nutritionism, which you know, started happening when we discovered vitamin C under a microscope. And we started thinking of food as the sum of its parts instead of just as food. So you might be able to sense where I'm going here now. No one ever gets the, the quote unquote right answer. And so I look at everyone and I'm like, no, 
everything up here is just food. Everything has had its 15 minutes. Can we just stop now? You must stir up some controversy among different groups by saying something along those lines. One would assume on my end. Um, Possibly. I have never really, (laughs) I've never gotten it. Some people have tried. And then when I take that definition down to every food that is actually food has had its 15 minutes because it feeds your body and it gives more than it takes. Everything that has been manufactured, stripped of things, re-put together, when you put it into your body, it takes away from your body. Your body has to replace the enzymes and the nutrients that that food was supposed to come with, which are the batteries that that, that your body needs to make that food work in the body. So if you're putting a refined oil or a refined flour, whatever it is, into your body, your body has to go to other um, systems and to the pancreas and to the immune system to say, hey, I need batteries to make this non-food work in the body so that it doesn't hurt me. So I have to ask the question then. So as you look at these trends and diets that come out all the time, because you see something new all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen different variations of the same thing with different titles, different marketing, different branding, just depending yeah. on where you're at. What style of living do you do you approach? Because it is a style of living because diets are normally a fad. You have to actually have a life-changing event to be able to proceed forward and saying, this is what I'm, my lifestyle is going to be. Because if you call it a diet, it's going to be, oh, I, when is my cheat day? Well, I don't know a lot of, of good relationships mm-hmm. that work out when you say, hey, honey, I'm going to go cheat on a day. I'll be right back. It just doesn't kind of go over too well. <laughs> well, when, when I try to teach this to a, a larger group, it's a little bit different, but I, well, I guess kind of similar in, in the one-on-one work that I do. But I go really just down to the basics. People need to understand that the reason that all this research keeps coming out and regurgitating the same thing is because researchers need grants to make money. <laughs> they, and good I, point. I, I mean, it's a good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so it's, it's just like that. That is just the world that we live in. And everyone's going to keep saying the same thing in a different way over and over because we have created the this economy. These people do this. They need to make a living. So they will regurgitate the same thing. And depending what kind of coffee in what part of city and which coffee shop you're reading, the research in coffee is either good or bad for you. And it's going to keep going back and forth forever. Well, I was, I was reading something not too long ago where they were saying if you're hungry and you don't have anything that's kind of fatty or has a lot of, a lot of oils in it, go ahead and eat a stick of butter. Eat a <laughs> stick of butter. That just doesn't translate in my brain. Well, you know, a, a lot of it is. So going back to what like the, the food actually is, if you start to understand that a refined food doesn't have the batteries that your body needs to use it properly, so therefore it hurts you or takes away from you, that's helpful. When you look at what what was this thing that's on my plate? How many steps and processes has it been through from when it was last alive? And if it's been more than one or two steps, then you know that it doesn't have necessarily what you need. And then because, you know, food became a big, food marketing became a this really big commodity and thing that, you know, drives our economy, there's this training that has happened in our, in our psyches for what food is. 
We label things as good or bad, which creates a conflict in ourselves and creates eating disorders. And our taste buds have been manipulated by the things added to these foods on purpose to make us want them. And then our hunger mechanism inside of us has been messed up. Like there, there's physiological reasons. And, and that's why I say willpower is not a thing. That well, stress. It's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I look at some of these organizations such as restaurants and we'll talk fast food. I won't mm-hmm. name anything sure. by name. And they reference that they're looking for food scientists which I always thought was interesting in regards Mm -hmm. to how the wording was. And it's because of that, exactly what you're saying. It's how they make the food to make it addictive. Yeah. And because it's just become a a commodity-like fashion. And we've just forgotten what food actually is. And it it has it, I mean, we'll, we'll get back to the safety part in a bit, but it has a direct correlation to actual safety because if the food you're eating doesn't have the batteries you need, then your body doesn't have what it needs to regulate itself properly. And with all the studies that are out there and it's gotten confusing. And so people just kind of, you know, give up, well, everything's bad for me. So, you know, whatever. And then getting back to your question of the, the stick of butter Getting people back to the basics of what food actually is and then letting them know that their hunger feelings have been hijacked, you know, just like if if you talk about, because I I know you've talked to my colleague Sylvia Marissa before, when stress has hijacked your brain, you're not thinking rationally. When low blood sugar and food intolerances and low batteries have hijacked your physiology, there is no willpower that is going to stop your body from not forcing you to eat something to give it relief right now. And it's interesting that you say that because now that I disagree, the reason that I say this is because this is our default. It's I'm stressed out. Let me binge eat. Let Mm -hmm. me go to this cookie. Chips is normally my terrible go-to, but I love them. I just can't stop. Mm -hmm. But it's one of of those things that that's what we turn to, especially in in areas of, of stress. So based on what you've studied and what you've learned, number one, how did you know that you were going down the right path? And number two, how do you know what is the right food? So how do you mean, how does some, someone else know that they're going down the, the right path? And well, I'm asking you, how did you, how did you figure out that you were going down the right path? Because, okay, you're doing this other amazing career. You decide mm-hmm. that you had to go into the biology side of the world. But yeah. how do you know that the information that you're getting at the time is the correct info? Because apparently it's worked out for you. But how yeah. do you know? I mean, how do you distinguish, especially now seeing so many different research papers or white papers mm-hmm. or information out there that's not what we will say accurate for everyone? I think that part of that answer is just simply the fact that I was born with this ability to step back and look at the big picture. I don't really think that I could necessarily credit the things I've actually studied with the perspective that that I bring to my work now. I've always been determined to see all of the details, kind of get a lay of the land, and then I step back. I choose to forget a lot of the details and just have the general idea of it. So I'm like that person that reads three quarters of a book. And I'm like, okay, so I've got the main concept of this. Now I'm going to apply it to this. Seriously. Oh, so, so you would love this service called bleep. I think it's our blip. It actually gives you everything within like seven minutes of the whole context of the book. 
Oh, I actually might, <laughs> might like to utilize that, that, that service. So, I mean, that, that's part of it. And, and that's what it is, right? When you can take a career that a lot of people have and separate yourself in it as having a unique perspective, that's just kind of the, some of the personality stuff that I think I was just born with. So, but getting the, knowing the basics of it, what I have just really found and where the learning has been very, very handy is understanding the basic cause and effect of the biology in the body. And if you want, I can sum this up really nicely with the recipe that I have for traditional North American anxiety at 11, a post-lunch dip around one o'clock and a complete mood collapse at four. This is The Jay Allen Show. Hey, have you ever wanted to hear what's going on around in the world of safety and you're not able to do so? Have you ever wanted to take a listen to what exactly is going around in the world of safety? What if we called that thing around the safety pod? We told you month over month what is happening in the mix. Would you care to know what would it be worth to you? Now, here's the fun part. Besides that you can find out exactly what's going on inside of the world of safety, there's also other information available there. Stuff that you can start using as early as today. How about you give us a look? Go to our website, safetyfmplus.com. That's safetyfmplus.com to find out what exactly is going on inside of the world of safety, around the world of safety, and inside of the world of safety. And don't forget to tell them that Jay Allen sent you. I'll see you on the other side. Make sure to join the revolution. Have you ever sat back and asked yourself that question, who is in your corner? Well, that's what we're all about on May the 18th at Safety Day 2021, presented by the ACFS. Come to the event on May the 18th at the Rosen Plaza Hotel in Orlando, Florida. There'll be world-renowned speakers speaking about this all-important subject of who is in your corner when it comes to dealing with safety. If you want to learn on how to reduce risk, how to support safety, and be a health champion, this is the event for you. Don't miss out on this event available by the ACFS. Now, the question that always comes up is, what are these events worth? What is the cost? What is it going to cost me? Well, it's not going to be as much as some of the other events. You will get this great value for $30. Yes, you heard me correctly. $30. That's lunch. That's parking. And that's even CEUs for $30. For more information, go to acfs.org. That's acfs.org. And enjoy Safety Day 2021, an in-person event. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. You are, you are spot on. Sounds just like it. Yeah. So the, and this is the story that I bring into Accidents of Adaptation because, which we I almost got to um, earlier, but it kind of slipped my mind, is when you talk about food and when you talk about being tired, And you talk about accidents and mistakes that we made because we have been marketed with willpower and all of these things that are fantasies and don't really exist. We are kind of stonewalled with guilt and shame, which then leads to apathy. So it's hard to hear the messages now. So if you can kind of slip under the radar of those triggers in people, tell them a story about themselves without making them feel like it's their fault. 
it changes the way they receive the information and how they process it and what they can do with it. So my mental health keynote, which we won't talk about today, but it's called It's Not Your Fault for oh, a reason. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> these are the teasers. Are we trying to get them to the whole avocado? Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> well, I mean, we, yeah, well, sure. Of, of course we are. Uh, we, we can touch on it if, if we have time for sure. Oh, uh, please, please, please do. Because none of my topics are really separate. Okay. I've separated them into bite-sized things to understand, but it's really hard for a company to bring me in for just one thing because then they need the other things too, right? So I'm going to, so the story goes like this of the day in the lives, and this is a rinse and repeat story. So we get up, we're tired. Maybe we had a glass or two of wine to, you know, survive bedtime with the kids the night before if you're a parent. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's 7 a.m. You throw back a cup or two of coffee. You're in a hurry. You get the kids to daycare. You get to work. You have another cup of coffee. Maybe you grabbed a sugary muffin at Starbucks or in the cafeteria, whatever it is. It's non-battery food. It's going to give you the thing to help you get to your desk and do something. 11 o'clock, suddenly you feel a little bit anxious. It All it takes is one email that may or may not actually be someone that's upset, but because you're in a state of alarm because your blood sugar is tanking hard, your lowering blood sugar creates a panic in your body that sets you up for an emotional panic if something triggers you. So you can perceive something that either that feels like a little bit of a threat and then bam, you have anxiety. You cannot wait for lunch. You're starving by the time you get there. So you eat a big, heavy greasy, you know, mood pacifying lunch for a period of time so that you feel okay for a bit. Then after lunch, you get back to your desk and you're just so tired and you don't know why that space between your, your eyebrows isn't working properly because now your body suddenly has all of this food that it has to break down and digest. You've given it no energy from the morning to sustain this process so your body moves out of the anxiety stress response state that so many of us live in and it forces you into rest and digest because it has to digest this food because if it doesn't break down properly, it's more trouble down the line. So now you're tired because your body's focusing inward to deal with the, the garbage that you dumped into it and it's pulling resources from everywhere in your body. And so your brain isn't as high of a priority. So then you probably go for a cup of coffee or another sugary something to give you an artificial bump and to get through some of the afternoon that only lasts for so long because you've just set your nervous system and your blood sugar regulation system and your blood pressure system up for failure. So between 3.30 and 4, it starts to tank. And now this is where you are hangry, but you don't know it. You're moody. You're not sure how you're going to survive through the evening or get to dinner or whatever it is. Maybe you have another cup of coffee before you pick up the kids to survive. You get home, you do dinner, probably the best meal, quality meal that you're going to have that day. And then your body is just upset and your nervous system is upset and your mood is upset and nothing's working properly because now your microbiome is angry at you. So all the new research on the microbiome is like, if it's not happy and it's not getting the right information from the right food, because food is information to your microbiome, it's producing neurotransmitters that aren't helpful. It's sending messages up the gut-brain axis to your brain. This is where you might feel a little bit of hopelessness. 
you're not sure how you're going to survive. It's almost worse than it was at four o'clock, but you're home. So if you have a good home environment, that helps. If you don't have the best home environment, then it's worse. You throw back a glass of wine to cope with bedtime, rinse and repeat. My stress level has just went up. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I know. It's, it's a triggering story because we all, if it's not us, if we have somehow managed to get out of that you know, negative feedback loop that our world has put us in, because it's no one's fault that they're there. Our life that we live has set us up for that. And if you haven't fully gotten out of it, it triggers a bit, but then I go through the story of how this happened and that it is not your fault. And then of course, in the food stuff and the mental health stuff, these are the things you can actually do that aren't a massive overhaul. But really, this kind of stuff is going to come down to HR and health and safety in companies understanding these things and figuring out how do we support our employees to understand these things without making them feel bad about themselves because then you and, get and nowhere. That's the, and that's the question right there. How yeah. do you start that conversation? Because let's say, for instance, we're on a construction site, just using this as an mm -hmm. example, and we have some of our people out there going to the go-to popular energy drink at the moment. And they're saying, this is what I need to be able to make it through my day. They run out, get a hamburger, whatever, French fries, and so on. Well, we know that this is not going to probably be the best quality stuff for them. So yeah. how do you initiate that that first conversation without sounding or coming across as, hey, this is what you need to be eating because this is what the organization is telling you to do? Yeah, because that message does nothing because right. people are too overwhelmed. Anything that feels like another thing they have to do is just going to make sure that they don't do it because they, they can't handle it. I did a, a little mini rant on this on a video on LinkedIn a little while ago where I was just like, don't do another challenge. Like 2020 <laughs> just happened. Like, like really? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no more challenges. So my, my strategy, because really like going back to what we touched on before with the way that I grew up and the careers that I've had, because I also did a lot of stuff in the hospitality industry. Like I was a, a, a shift leader at Earl's. I was an Earl's girl for a long time. I managed pubs in the beaches in Toronto when I, when I lived there. So I've seen so many different aspects of business and different things of, of safety and, and the perspectives on it. You have to go in with a strategy. And I, if someone wants to bring me in for this, I'm going to say, okay, first I want to do this for your leaders. And then after I've done the presentation, I want the feedback from the leaders on what they're seeing so that I can tailor this to your demographics and your people and the cultures that are in your company. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. So let me ask the strange question then. So yeah. normally when an organization reaches out to you, what where are they reaching out to you from? Like, what are they looking at initially? Are they noticing that they're having issues with wellness inside of their organization? I know you spoke earlier about mental health as well. Mm -hmm. Or are they looking at it that aspect and they say, I need to call Sony up and we need to have this conversation on how we can bring this into our organization? Well, previously, it was just a, a company that was trying to get some wellness in and I was kind of the nutrition wellness person to, to bring in. So that the coming in and doing a little bit of my, you know, there's no such thing as healthy food would generally open the door for the rest of my work. 
Now, post 2020 and the way things are really coming together and the way I'm structuring things, it, it's almost like I'm, I'm kind of, uh, it's, it's newer now. So where I'm coming more from is the different perspective on mental health that I have, which is that I see it as an outcome. I explain this is not your fault. I ask different questions. And that's kind of where the, the interest is until very recently where I've started talking about this, the safety of biology and health and safety kind of cock their heads and they're like, ah, no one's ever told me that sugar and caffeine cause accidents. <laughs> I know it's always the area of surprise when that is brought up. Yeah. So honestly, at this point, what's, what's happening right now is it is the take on stress and the relationship with mental health and food and our lifestyle choices and past trauma. It's like, it's almost like I can't really go in and do just one thing. So the best thing to usually do if they're bringing me in is what topic resonates with the leadership right now that you need to know on? Let me do that for your leadership. I'll give you like a package deal to do the presentation that you need, you know, for the, for the bigger group as well and see what the company's actual needs are. So that's more of a, a strategic way to approach it. It's very tailored because no company needs exactly the same thing. All they, every, anyone knows right now is that everyone's been stressed too long. Those that are a little bit intuitive or have a little bit of wellness background, they see the train wreck that's coming, but they don't know all of the avenues that it's coming down. So they need someone to come in and explain all of these things to them. And then you'd be surprised on the stuff that resonates with them and the direction that they can actually give to me. It's a long answer for your question, but does, oh, does no, that no, make no, sense? No, I, I love long answers because sometimes <laughs> I get answers that are just like, yes. And it's like, uh, okay, I guess it wasn't open-ended enough, but no, you're definitely covering some ground here. So as you look over the last year in particular, with everything changing in the mm -hmm. way that it has, and of course, a lot of us being in front of a desk, you know, sitting down for a long period of time, what are you seeing that has been the trends with how people are adapting to their food environment? or vice versa, or the food environment adapting to them? What are you right. seeing in things that need to be changing quickly? I think the first place to go with this, and of course, this is my, my strategy mind kicking in, is obviously we have not been eating that great because in the collective stress response that we've been in, even if, you know, some of the pen, the pandemic kind of worked out a little bit better for some of us and not so great for others of us, there was still this state of alarm that we were all in that we have just adapted to because there's a global crisis. So to go in and say, you got to change your food now, isn't going to work. To go in and say, you've got to do this for your mental health, isn't going to work. To come in with a message of, hey, so this happened and this is the impact that it has had on everyone. This is the impact it has had in our homes that it's done to our bodies. If we don't figure out a way to intervene on a collective scale, this is the collapse that's coming in our physiologies, which then will take the blanket out from underneath our mental capabilities in approximately 12 to 18 months after the crisis ends, so to speak. 
because we're in, we've been in alarm for too long. The, the foundation of accidents of adaptation lies on the work of um, Hans Selle. He's known as, as the father of stress. He coined the term with the definition we use today. And so the three phases of general adaptation syndrome, which was his work, was alarm, resistance, exhaustion. We've been in alarm for a long time. Moving into resistance is where the body tries to fight the impact of the alarm to bring the blood pressure down, to stabilize the blood sugar, to support the microbiome and immune system so we don't have overreactions, to keep the unhelpful neuro, well, not necessarily unhelpful, but to keep the neurotransmitters that impact us the way we would define negatively at, at bay to be able to filter them out of the blood in a timely manner and try to normalize things. So we've been in resistance too long. Those body systems can't do this forever. And so that's why people like Sylvia and I, because I, I know that you know her, we've actually teamed up. We're created, we have created a stress recovery navigation system for this to actually support the body systems that are taxed and that are going to collapse. And with that, then our mental health collectively is going to go as well. And when So you, if, if people want to find out more of what you and Sylvia are doing together, where can they go to find out? Because I think this is such important information. Especially yeah. Because I know, and, and I'll tell you, I've seen your your team up videos on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. That you kind of do the drop bys. I even saw the one recently where you, apparently you weren't able to make it, and the cat made the appearance for you, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. But, uh, but where can people find out more information? Well, the the best thing on that right now is LinkedIn. We haven't. We're working on our website. We are looking for pilot companies right now. The best thing is to find Sylvia Marusic and I on LinkedIn. You know, we, we've got some of the, the outtakes and that kind of stuff, which I think ended up being a, an accidental strategy of people kind of getting to know us a, a little bit and what, it, what it's like to have us in, in the company. But the best thing right now is LinkedIn because we haven't released the, the, the domain yet. So thrivalofthefittest.com is, is what it's going to be. Ooh, we, we, we got an early scoop. I love it. Uh-huh. I love it. Yeah. So, so I, have to, I, yeah. I have to ask a question from you. Yeah. So I know I found something and I want to make sure that I have a clear direction of this. Yeah. Do you have in grocery stores in Canada, your picture inside of some of these grocery stores with recipes that you've come up with? The, yeah, the, the local co-op, Winkler Morton yeah. co-op here and yeah. I have had a really sweet partnership for a couple of years. It, so even, how does that feel when you walk into a co-op and all of a sudden your picture's right there with which you have, which you're, what you're describing to people. My, Does my, that throw you off at the very beginning? Well, my, my face in the produce section is funny. <laughs> it's, um, I think probably I have a tolerance for it because hearing your voice and your songs on the radio is maybe a little bit more jarring. So I think I had exposure to, to that kind of thing. But um, it, they've been really great for me because they really helped me move into the community wellness strategy that I have. Because even when the pandemic hit, they brought me in to do some short videos on your nervous system and the breath and on parenting strategies that are centered around managing stress. So, yeah, I, I have my faces in some grocery stores and I'm actually working <laughs> with an even bigger co-op here in Manitoba. And we're talking about doing even more stuff. So fingers crossed. That is awesome. Sonia, mm-hmm. if people want to know more about you and what you have going on, where can they go currently to find out more information? The best thing is the wholeavocado.com. Make sure you spell avocado right. And just hit my, my corporate page. It has the description for accidents of adaptation and some of the other things that I do. 
And that's just the, the best place. And or connect on LinkedIn. That's where a lot of my my little blurbs and little rants that I do on employee wellness are. <laughs> well, Sonia, I am so thankful that you actually came on to the show today to have this this all important conversation. And I really think at some point we need to talk about having you and Sylvia on at the same time to, to kind of go further down the path. Oh, for sure. Maybe we'll let you be one of the inside scoops on survival of the fittest when we launch. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> well, what'd you think? She had a lot to say for sure. So if you want to find out more information about Sonia Funk, go to thewholeavocado.com. No, that's not a joke. It's thewholeavocado.com where she can give you some more information on what's going on in her world. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Sonia as much as I did. Don't worry, we'll be back with another episode of The Jay Allen Show before too long. Goodbye for now. Want more of The Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time.